I'm Afshin Ratansi, and welcome back to Going Underground, broadcasting all around the world from Dubai in the United Arab Emirates. As Noam Chomsky predicted on last week's episode, the doomsday clock on Tuesday moved closer to midnight than ever before, indicating how close the human species is to extinction. The atomic scientists who compiled the supporting evidence for that cited the war in Europe and amidst reports of imminent deployment of German tanks to fight Russia for the first time since World War II. We're joined today by a U.S. Marine Corps colonel who fought for NATO nation troops in Iraq, Afghanistan, and Somalia. The former deputy commander of U.S. Special Operations Command Central, now CEO of Military Formation, the Mozart Group, retired Colonel Andrew Milburn, joins me now from the Ukrainian capital. Thank you so much, retired Colonel, for uh, uh, coming on. Just before we uh, start on the Mozart Group, uh, I know that Britain, uh, well, it was morning before the announcement about American tanks arriving uh, in theater, so they say. Uh, Chris Parry and Andrew Bagshaw killed uh, while uh, helping evacuations from Solidar, so we're told. I don't know whether you knew them. Um, is that the kind of work, in fact, that the Mozart Group do, these evacuations from uh, the theater? Yeah, it, it absolutely is. And, and by the way, good evening, uh, good afternoon, good morning, whatever, whatever time zone you're in. A great pleasure to be on your show. And uh, thank you for inviting me. Yes, uh, that's exactly the sort of work that we do. And uh, my hat's off um, to, to Chris and Andrew for, uh, and, and, and my condolences to their families uh, for, uh, for their loss. And, um, you know, I, I feel... Uh, we, you know, we, although I didn't know them, we, we all feel a loss, of course, because the mission is all important and it is extremely dangerous. These guys were traveling, as we all are, in soft skin vehicles under uh, Russian artillery fire, airstrikes. And now, of course, uh, what increasingly for the last month and a half, threats from um, infiltrating groups um, the, who have worked that way behind Ukrainian lines, such as the Wagner Group. And so, you know, we don't carry weapons. Uh, there's a reason for that. Um, our, our purpose there is purely humanitarian, and it puts it makes us very vulnerable. Uh, there is no doubt in my mind that the Russians are targeting evacuation groups. We have uh, come under very accurate artillery fire um, and uh, uh, attack by a, a Russian aircraft. Uh, and, and, you know, at, at uh, this Again, there's no misidentifying a, a group of uh, very obvious civilian vehicles and, and, uh, and our mission. Um, so, yes, a, a, a tragedy, um, but obviously two very brave young men. Do you have a contract with the Ukrainian government at the moment? I know that you were hoping for one. Yeah, no, no, none at all. We're almost a year into the war. Um, and we're doing this purely on handshake and uh, on donor funding. So, yeah, so the Mozart Group, obviously famous in even NATO nation media, partly because it's ironic reference to the Russian Wagner Group, which you just referenced there. Um, what, what exactly is it? I mean, was it wise to call it uh, after a European composer, given that people uh, are going to immediately yeah, you say know, that you're they, like the Wagner Group? I mean, clearly the Wagner Group is, you know, uh, has a lot of weapons. That's a great question. And actually, I, I have to think in a sense it wasn't. Um, but, it, but, you know, we weren't really making very deliberate, prolonged decisions back in March. We were training guys in a hurry to defend Kiev. Someone came up with the name the Mozart Group and it had already kind of gained traction 
Uh, and yes, in retrospect, absolutely, because we there, there is no comparison between us and the Wagner Group. Absolutely none at all. You know, I've already outlined our mission. Uh, we also train Ukrainian soldiers close to the front line. We're the only Western organization that that does this. The only, indeed, the only organization that does this. Uh, we move up behind the front line within artillery fire, uh, so that we can, um, we, so that brigade commanders can rotate their guys through our training courses. So you're different from the Ranger. You're very different from the British Ranger Regiment, which is seen as a kind of a grouping or formation to rival Wagner in theatres. Well, I, you know, it, it really all depends on how the Ranger Regiment's mission is outlined. If it is training and advise and assist, which is how I understand it, that's not far off from what we do. Because we're mostly doing training. We, we really aren't doing advice and assist uh, actually with, you know, in, in combat. Um, our, our, where, where we run the most risk are in our evacuation operations, uh, where we're running into, you know, driving into literally areas that are, appear about to fall, are under heavy Russian artillery fire, in some cases surrounded on three sides by the Russians, as, as we did in Lysychansk and and Solidor, and uh, and um, recently uh, places around Parkmoot. And we go in there to to uh, bring people out and um, deliver humanitarian supplies, food, water. Because remember, none of these places, all these people in these places are living in basements, again, under constant, constant artillery fire. Um, it is a risk for them to go above ground to get anything that sustains life. Uh, they have no electricity, and the temperatures are freezing cold. There are elderly people, and there are plenty of children too. It is, as you know, the Russians. Not... As you know, the Russians deny any targeting of civilians, and I presumably to this would say they've been suffering it since uh, uh, 2014 in in Donbass. But I just want to get to something about your book, "When the Tempest Gathers." If anyone thinks that you're some crazy neocon uh, supporter of Donald Rumsfeld, that book. Uh, why, why did you write that book? Uh, and you said we've had decades of strategic failure and no learning from those at the top of NATO, uh, NATO militaries. What, why uh, have you been such a critic of the wars you fought in Iraq, Afghanistan? I know you shared a platform with former disgraced uh, head of the CIA, David Petraeus, only the other day. Uh, you're, you're happy that this book is out there and it clearly shows the frontline coalface of fighting during those wars. And, and also arguably showing why, why uh, US forces, uh, NATO nation forces were defeated in these different campaigns? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. Look, I, 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 I value the fact that I, you know, de defended my country or I, I served my country's military, but, you know, that, that didn't take away the right once I retired uh, to, to be able to criticize and hopefully constructively because I'm looking to a better future in this case, um, or, or at least address some key points. And, and I did so in the book. You know, there was not, I, I felt that on the ground, Afghanistan and Iraq, beyond the initial impetus, the initial invasion, that in both cases, there was a subsequent kind of deterioration of any coherent campaign plan that matched an overarching uh, policy. And, and I think that's kind of undeniable now when you look at what happened in Afghanistan. That is a problem. You haven't spoken to Tony Blair, to clearly, lately. But um, um, maybe yeah. that's why you're not getting the funding, in fact, because you've attacked these uh, you know, wars on terror so, so much. Um, why do you think that uh, in 
the Wagner Group itself and uh, some Russian media has been saying, actually, Mozart is not the humanitarian type of group that you're describing. And uh, even in NATO nation media, they misconstrue it, I suppose, from your yeah. uh, from yeah. where you see it, comparing yourselves yeah, to yeah. the Wagner Group. The disinformation war here is absolutely huge. So you're not a private military company. You're not a mercenary army. No, no. I mean, I mean, we not by not by anyone's concept, any common concept of the term. We don't carry weapons. We're not fighting. Uh, we are training people, and we're evacuating and feeding civilians. Um, that is it. You know, I'm. I'm. All of us here in the leadership are adamant about that. Uh, so we, yeah, we we're a, and of course, of course, you know, at to be for most of the war, we've received great press coverage. Um, you know, unfortunately, we're going through painful, uh, painful period here with a former uh, business partner whose motivations were very different than the rest of ours, and was hoping to make money out of the Mozart Group. Is now suing the Mozart Group for not paying him that money. That's probably as much as you're going to hear about me in the lawsuit. But that is, you know, that's the crux of that lawsuit. Um, and of course, you know, the media jumps on, uh, in, in the United States, you can throw, if you've got, you know, what we call an ambulance chasing lawyer and you pay him enough money and you say, come up with 15 or 16 of the worst things you can think, um, to scare this guy. Um, and that, and that's all scare the company. And that is what he has done. He's like, you know, he's launched a, uh, a lawsuit. It has not brought our operations to a halt. Um, it was certainly not helpful, but you know what I tell the guys is, hey, look, we had a mall on the inside. We had a guy who who I shouldn't have partnered with. You know, I'm probably too trusting. Uh, we've cut him loose. Let's move on. You know, let's learn from all of these all of these mistakes. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to get into the litigation between. And, you know, the far, yeah, and and you know, honestly, as far as the media, um, I, I'm not going to you know, to, to lay out the case against this particular guy, um, because that's not the forum I want. I want a legal, I want, I want to do this legally and conclusively. Sure. Um, and I mean, we invite Bain on, but I mean, I just, I mean, just because it's a subject of litigation, he said, I'm not going to comment on pending litigation. Recent person comments ensure defamation will be a much larger part of the proceedings. I have no Russian investments. Um, but, uh, I, I suppose, uh, uh Obviously, the big story that was covered around around the world was you're saying it's humanitarian uh, aid and you're helping uh, training. You did say on camera, hopefully you contributed to Russian deaths. So obviously, if you're a part of the global south that sympathizes with Moscow in this uh, situation, uh, if you are in uh, Russia, you're going to go, well, you know, here's the head of the Mozart group saying, Hopefully, we contributed to Russian deaths. Yeah, um, I, you know, I can't walk that statement back. Yeah, I mean, because sadly, in this war, uh, you know, you, the, the more the, or any war actually tend to, it tends to be, you know, the more the adversary. You take off the playing field, off the chessboard, kill. Um, the less the danger is to your own guys, to your own country, you know, so we can dance around that. But why do we train guys? It isn't simply to defend themselves. It is to kill the enemy. And we're, we're professional soldiers by background. There's no reason to lie about this. You know, the best form of uh, defense is offense. Um, so we're not just training these guys. 
literally to to defend their families. Um, we've got to train them to do more and and uh, expel. You see, it sounds a bit like sounds a bit like the European Union. Sounds a bit like the European Union and the U.S. going. We're only it's, going to supply defensive so weapons until the tanks doing, arrive. Exactly. Everything, no, but everything we're doing is exactly within the parameters of, of US, UK, NATO policy. There's nothing that we are doing. I mean, the, the West is providing Ukraine with lethal weapons, right? That kill Russians. Why are they doing that? It's not, you know, it's to kill Russians. So we can dance around, you know, this, this phraseology, which is unfortunate. I don't like using the term kill. Um, you know, it's much more, it's much nicer to say expel the Russian invader, which is all true. Um, but weapons are designed largely to kill people. Um, and when we train soldiers, that is that is their goal. And anyone who thinks that there is another goal to military training, there are other goals, but there is no other um, central goal, perhaps more important than that. That's why we teach them how to shoot their weapons, understand what they're hitting at, but we also teach them how to look after themselves, how to treat themselves if they're wounded, how to treat their comrades. And, you know, I mean, we, I, I tend to emphasize more the lives we save than the lives perhaps we contribute to the Ukrainians taking. Retired Colonel, I'll stop you there. More from the U.S. Marine Corps' former Deputy Special Operations Commander in the Ukrainian capital after this break. Welcome back to Going Underground. I'm still here with retired Colonel Andrew Milburn, CEO of the Mozart Group and former Deputy Commander of Special Operations Command Central in the U.S. Marine Corps. In the book uh, that you wrote, when, when the Tempest Gathers, you talk of your mother being in the Red Cross. I don't know what, whether that's some kind of inspiration to, to the activities. I mean, do you think she thought that the Allies committed uh, invasion, a crime of aggression, when uh, the Allies invaded France? In 1944? Oh, no, 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 I'm sure. No, no. I mean, right, think about that generation, right? So they, uh, they, well, first of all, I don't think there's, I mean, the Allies invaded France. That was a sovereign nation that had been invaded by the Germans. And yes, there was a Vichy government, but it was not a. You don't think Ukraine government. has been invaded by NATO after the no. coup? No, no. <laughs> I mean, invaded by NATO? Well, it was an American-backed coup, wasn't it? We have that phone call of the coup in Kiev. You don't think the government of uh, Ukraine since that coup has been illegitimate since then? And maybe that's why the Global South Seas and, and the UN didn't vote with EU and, and American powers to condemn the Russian invasion, representatives representing most of humanity at the UN? Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I li listen, in the, in the end, I can only tell you what my, where kind of my moral compass lies. Um, and I, I mean, I, I know because I've been on the other side arguing about the invasion of Iraq, which I think is a great, you know, a great example um, that, you know, obviously that you, you can, you can make an invasion look legal, blah, blah, blah. But, but the bottom line is, I mean, this is a, this isn't about Ukraine and Russia in my mind. You know, it's a bigger picture, right? It's about global norms, uh, which are a thing. Um, it's about balance of power. It's about... You said president. it's about Putin. It's not about Ukraine, it's, it's about, about Putin. Putin. 
You know, it's about Putin too. Yes, obviously. I mean, Putin is in a, an extraordinary, and I don't mean that in a positive way. I, I mean, he's an anomaly. One would hope, right? In in late 20th, uh, 21st century, um, you know, a, a, a guy who has um, hermetically sealed Russia in a, in a way that Russia has not been since under Stalin. You know, even the latter, you know, the, the last decades of the Soviet Union didn't see anything quite like this. Um, who was his, his foreign minister only this week was visiting South Africa for the joint military drills between the South African army and the Russian army and Russian forces. They've obviously been doing massive military drills in the Pacific with China. BRICS has never been stronger. The Shanghai Cooperation Organization, never stronger. The whole of Latin America, Africa, Southeast Asia are all doing deals with Russia. How do you mean hermetically yeah. sealed? Russia has never been more open, I mean, oh, as reflected oh, in the currency. Yeah, I'm, no, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about influence overseas. I'm talking about Russian society being hermetically sealed from, from um, informational contact with the outside world. You know, I, I don't think that's, I don't think that's so uncontroversial. I mean, if you have a state that's controlling not just the media, um, but also to an extent social media, then a state that is banning any expression of dissent about the war with um, very but harsh Colonel, hang on, hang on. I mean, you went, you went to the university where my father was professor. I've got to say, in Britain, it is illegal. Uh, you are under threat of sanctions if you mention that there's a Nazi Azov battalion. Entire television channels from the Chinese, the Iranians, the Russians are banned in Britain. If you look at press conferences in Moscow, you see Sky yeah. News reporters asking questions. Uh, you go to a five-star hotel in Moscow, the Moscow Times is sitting on your table in your bedroom telling you Putin is a war criminal, just about. In Britain, every newspaper, yeah. every journalist, every politician in Congress, in the British Parliament, wears a Ukraine lapel pin. Yeah. No, those are great points. I'm, and you know what? I'm not going to push back on you because I haven't been to Russia and it probably wouldn't be a good idea for me to go there. Um, so... You know, if if what you're saying about newspapers and hotels, I would ask are those just privileged hotels. But, you know, clearly my point is this is, I mean, very clear, this is an unjust war. Uh, and, and there, you know, and clearly too, the, the regime has, has, a, has taken a policy that is almost defensive towards its own, uh, its own people by, you know, shutting down any dissent at all. Why would, why would any country, you know, I know, I mean, this is great philosophical discussion, but, you know, why would, why would you outlaw dissent? Well, within, within Russia, they've often said that he was under, Putin was under pressure from uh, the left in his country uh, for years as the shelling and the killing of thousands of people in Donbass to do something like this. And he didn't, he trusts the Minsk, Minsk Accords. But the point is, and I mentioned the- uh, uh, let, me, let me jump in very quickly. But it's, but I, please compare the numbers of, of um, supposed, uh, you know, Russian affiliated Ukrainian nationals who were killed every year from Ukrainian shelling 2014 through 2022, and then compare those numbers for the first two, three months of the war. And I think you'll find that the, the inhabitants of Donbass suffered far more from the Russian invasion than they ever did from Ukrainian shelling or indeed the war before. But as to what you actually are doing there in Ukraine, you're you are helping. Wait, wait, wait. 
No, really. I mean, um, well, we had first-hand footage. I mean, if you look at CNN or the BBC before, arguably they were got oh. at. They were showing the casualties in the Donbass. But I don't want to go too much back over history about it because we are there in conflict in Kiev. Though. I mean, that you're saying right. that it's a bit like the Spanish Civil War, and the global South and the uh, clearly the Russians see it as your help and your humanitarian help is prolonging the war. Russia will eventually win, and except there's something different about this war because Russia is a nuclear power. So the more you help the Ukrainians in their war effort, you increase the chances of Armageddon as outlined by the Bulletin of Atomic Scientists. It's not quite like the Spanish Civil War. It's not quite like any other war. You're putting the whole world at risk the more you help the Ukrainians uh, before their inevitable defeat. Wow. You know, I have heard that argument before. And um, I, I, think, I think I could understand some of its weight uh, back in February or, or March when it really, I mean, I, me too, I thought the Russians were going to win. You know, and, and I might even have argued, although I would find it hard to argue, hey, we shouldn't support them because it's better to just rip the Band-Aid off and let them be invaded. Um, but there's a couple of, you know, there's a couple of points there. Uh, one is that you've totally, you know, it's a great question, but I think you've overlooked the the question of human dynamics, right? So, uh, you know, the 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 unpredictable aspect of Ukrainian society. But surely, it's the they, weapons, Colonel. If if NATO hadn't poured weapons, if Britain hadn't poured weapons in there, if there had been not one weapon sent to Ukraine after Putin, in Russia's view defended the people of the Donbass finally after uh, years of provocation, then the war wouldn't have been, uh, well, the war would be over. I, very, very difficult to argue that counterfactual. Would it or wouldn't it? And, and all I can tell you is this, okay? I, I think, I do understand your line of questioning. I'm just saying that, no, I absolutely don't buy it. And it's not because I'm emotionally wedded to this war. It's the fact that you know, the, the West can benefit far more by just simply embracing the prospect of Ukrainian victory with nothing, nothing to lose or risk. Okay, I'm not sure what Ukrainian. I'm not sure what Ukrainian victory is. You have you have uh, identified Putin as the main reason here. Do you think Putin is mad? I mean, you've you've identified Putin. You said it's not about Ukraine. It's not about Russia so much. You love the Russian people, you love the Ukrainian people, and uh, it's about Putin. Do you think Putin is mad? Because obviously, you know what I'm going to say if you do, and that is they have nuclear weapons. MAD stands for mutually assured destruction. This yeah. is not like any war you personally have fought in and documented. They have caliber missiles. Yeah. They have tactical nuclear weapons as well as strategic nuclear weapons. Uh, some people around the global south who don't support you or the European Union or the United States, the majority of humanity, arguably, are going to be asking, what is the Mozart group doing? You are increasing the chances of the deaths of everyone on this planet. Uh, we, well, first of all, I think that's, you know, I, I, I understand the logic chain, but that's a very long chain, okay? Well, we are there's here. only a button in the Kremlin. Let me finish, let me finish. We are here to improve Ukrainian soldiers' chance of survival on the front line. Now, you, you, can, you can draw kind of a cause and effect chain 
uh, as as you know people in the west have and they've tied themselves in knots about oh my god what will cause putin to escalate to nuclear war we don't know all right i don't know if he's mad what i what i do and i i don't you know is the mozart group uh pushing the world closer to you know the new and nuclear abyss i think that's honestly that's very far-fetched um it's a concern of course it's a concern um and i don't have i i don't have any soothing words for people who are concerned except to say us being on the ground or the west helping ukraine is very very unlikely to push putin to to that you know that level and it isn't just me saying that isn't just my opinion if you read most uh you know i hate to say experts but you know the think tankers who have a lot more time to study this than i do well we're, we're not going to get into think tanks yeah, the cause wrong. and effect we think, could be wrong no, cause no. and effect chains I'm, just, I, I'm a devil's advocate look i am no, wait wait wait. you're I, not colonel so you're in I, there I, colonel you're in there you're not a devil's advocate you're you're I, active well, in there cause and know, effect chains but isn't that the problem of cause and effect change in the wars you fought in? Whether it be Afghanistan with American arming of the Mujahideen that were turned into Al-Qaeda and 9-11, uh, the creation of ISIS and Daesh by the Iraq conflict, isn't the whole point and the failure of military strategy that you write about in your book precisely this failure of comprehending cause and effect and the fact that you may be creating chances for nuclear conflict? Of course, of course, in any war, you know, once you go to war, all bets are off as far as what the outcomes are. As far as, I mean, we, we've seen, you know, that was my point of Iraq and Afghanistan. I, I'm not making the decision to go to war. I'm running an organization. Let's, let's get this back in context. I'm running an organization that evacuates civilians who don't want to get killed from their homes that are getting destroyed. And we're feeding and providing sustenance to other civilians. We're also training Ukrainian soldiers who haven't received adequate training in order to to at least enhance their longevity on the battlefield all right that's I, there's nothing in that 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 pings my conscience i gotta tell you now I, if i lay awake at night long enough and i could draw a thread between those actions and nuclear war and the end of the world maybe that would be the case but if i could join that thread i would never have joined the michael i would never have deployed to a combat zone you know so I guess what I'm saying is I'm not I'm not poo-pooing anything that you have said, um, but you know we've all got to make our own decisions uh, based on facts and uh, rational analysis, and that's what I feel that I have done. But clearly, uh, it can't help funding. It can't help your funding, and I know you 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 need funding, you you want funding, that you're recorded as saying Ukraine is a corrupt up society. Ukraine is in violation of the Hague Convention. Uh, they shouldn't be filming prisoners of war for propaganda purposes or killing Russian prisoners of war. Do you not think, uh, and obviously Zelensky, Biden, Blinken, the whole lot of them, uh, probably Sunak in London, probably uh, uh, Schultz in Berlin, they're all saying, no, we're sending hundreds of billions of dollars there uh, and uh, we trust yeah, it well, not to I be mean, corrupt. We, we, you know, I talked about this earlier with your, you know, your guys about that. That particular interview was, as you know, um, it was deep cut. It was um, taken out of context. Uh, my voice. No, no, was I watched it. I watched the interview and, on. And, on and the... it was it, it was produced by a guy named Max Blumenthal. Yes, I'm get, let me let me get to the points that I that I said. Yes, specifically, um, Ukraine. What I all I said was that yes, Ukraine has in the past had a had a problem with corruption. 
That's undeniable, all right? And filming prisoners of war is a violation of the Geneva Convention. My point is this, that if you are going to have the moral high, high ground and you're going to say, and, and I'm here, listen, I voted with my feet and my life, so I challenge anyone to say, oh, you don't support Ukraine. Hague, Hague Convention. Yeah, yeah, I, I should mean, just almost say... every day. I should just say, I mean, we're coming to, to the end. I should just say, I was actually watching the video you your guys put up. Uh, Max Blumenthal, uh, editor of Grey Zone, said, whether it was a whiskey talking or Andy Milburn alone, the video I posted provided a clear and accurate depiction of his comments on the corruption of Ukrainian society, its sick leadership and the propensity of its military to commit and videotape battlefield atrocities. For his own sake, Milburn yeah. should stop chasing the Ukraine aid gravy train and get back on the wagon. I don't know what you have to say to that. Yeah, you're reading from, you know, Black's movement. Of course, I don't agree with him. Look at his background, all right? I mean, he is, he, it doesn't matter, all right? The, the point is, why did he alter that video? Why did he? What I said with context, um, yeah, I stand behind. Uh, you know, I love I love Ukrainians. I'm here. I'm risking my life. So you can keep throwing Max Blumenthal at me. He's, you know, but I, I've, I've voted with my feet. No, no one argues with that. Ukrainians have no problem with that video because because they know the nature of Russian disinformation, and that it, and and so you know. But the point is, you you don't support a side by simply spouting propaganda. You've got to be honest. I'm the same with the United States. You just talked to me about what I write in my book, where I criticize my own administration, my country's administration. This is the healthy aspect of a democracy. All right. Ukraine is a democracy. United States is a democracy. We should encourage criticism, not shut people down, because we want to be a better society. And Ukraine, especially right now, all eyes on the world on Ukraine, it's very important that Ukrainian, the Ukrainian government act accordingly. I challenge anyone to, to dispute that. I mean, of course. Colonel Andrew Milburn. Thank you. And that's it for the show. We'll be back next Saturday, 78 years to the day since the opening of the Alta Conference, also known as the Crimea Conference with Franklin Delano Roosevelt, Joseph Stalin and Winston Churchill meeting to plan the defeat of Nazi Germany during the final stages of World War II. Until then, you can still keep in touch via all our social media if it's not censored in your country. But you can always head to our channel, Going Underground TV on Rumble.com to watch new and old episodes of Going Underground. See you very soon.